0: Every Wednesday in Sounder Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And I'm very excited because joining me, Leon Cox, in Sounder Play 85 are not one, not two, but three composers, the composers of Halo Wars 2, among other things that we'll hear about. We have Gordy Hub, Hi there. Brian Lee White and Brian Trifon. Hey, hey. Also known as Finishing Move Inc. Uh, and yeah, welcome to the show, gentlemen. I'm good. And how are all you? Doing great, thank you. Yeah. Doing well. Excellent. Uh, and so this uh, has been uh, set up by uh, Halo Wars PR, basically. And uh, we're obviously always super pleased when um people contact us and want to come on the show and talk music and games. And so appropriately enough, we opened the show with a piece called Isabel's Awakening from the uh, pretty, pretty brand new uh RTS Halo Wars 2. Uh, available on xbox one and pc isabel's awakening uh, and so this is a piece of music by the three of you um a very pretty piece indeed and yeah so i've got really lots of questions about how it works so uh we've been doing this podcast for a couple of years now alongside our other podcast where we just discussed the games um and one of the endless issues we have um, is we're very, very keen to give credit where it's due and um, and talk about who composed the tracks. I've seen too many YouTube videos where they've uploaded the piece and they haven't actually even name-checked like the company who made it, let alone the composers. So we're, we're forever trying to get our credits right and a lot of the times that's a real problem because, uh, uh, say, an old Japanese game will name, or not even an old one, sometimes a new Japanese game will name sort of eight composers and it will just have a list of their names and you have no idea who did what, whether they collaborated on each piece or whether they each did a, a you know certain tracks themselves. But from what I understand, this is a genuine collaborative process between the three of you? That's correct, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, on this project, basically we all touched, uh, you know, every cue. So it was, uh, um, like you're saying, there's, there's many projects where there's multiple composers and it's sort of like just separate things and there's v- sometimes very little overlap um, mm-hmm. in terms of people working together. Uh, and this project, we, we from the beginning, you know, we, we work together basically on on every piece um, and sort of we each have our specialties that we bring to the table mm-hmm. um, but uh, and obviously some pieces were driven more like so Gordy, for example, is amazing with the orchestra. That is his gift. Uh, um, Brian White and I, it's like we're very good with the the like synthetic hybrid score type things. And mm-hmm. so we bring that out, Um, But it ends up being a collaboration basically on all the pieces.
0: Yeah. And so um, you hadn't I, I know the two Brian's you work together regularly, but you you three yeah. hadn't worked together before this project. Is that right?
2: That's right. Not until this project, yeah.
0: And how did that? Who who puts that together? Is that a request from three four three, or or was it something that you both want? Uh, you all three of you wanted to do.
2: Our audio director Paul Libson, mm-hmm. um actually had worked with uh, Finishing Move before on on different Halo projects, yeah, and uh, had suggested to bring me on board as sort of the the mind behind the orchestral side all of right. the music, and uh, you know threw us into the mix together and. And, uh, you know, pretty much immediately we kind of all hit it off and, and right. realized our strengths and, you know, which, what, what gaps we could fill. And and uh, it just it just kind of worked out perfectly. I mean, you know, we're all very good friends now and, you know, really have a lot of respect for each other's uh, contributions. And and uh, I think it really was just kind of the perfect collaboration in a lot of ways.
0: Oh, well, that's really fantastic to hear, Um, because obviously there's no guarantee with a creative thing that you'll all be pulling in the same direction um, and obviously turning, uh, you know, going from working in a two to a three could be a very different dynamic. So it's great to hear. And I think yeah. uh, the music there speaks for itself. So we heard Isabel's Awakening. What can you tell us about uh, that track?
2: Isabel is a, is a new AI character in Halo Wars 2. And um, we wanted her to have a theme that sort of followed her, her arc, her story arc, and uh, had a lot of emotion to it and, you know, sort of showed you know, heroism, strength, and but also some, you know, some insecurity. Uh, you know, she steps into a position where she's, you know, filling some big shoes, and you know, steps into the Halo universe in you know, sort of a time of turmoil, and and uh, really needs to step up and become a hero. And uh, so, we wanted to have a theme that sort of, you know, created her backstory and and gave a bit of an understanding of you know the, the stripe that she was dealing with and you know had an arc to lead to her you know heroic moment mm. I suppose
0: So are you fully uh, fully um, aware and uh, up on every single story beat as composers with, with this game or was it um, were you given ideas, themes and, and outlines
3: I mean for this one I would say that we, a big help obviously was knowing sort of the story to date because uh, yeah. you know if you if you don't if you don't know for people who haven't played sort of the Halo Wars uh part of the franchise it's kind of a, a an offshoot so it's it's in the Halo universe it's 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 part of the 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 sort of global storyline or the universal storyline I guess but it's yeah. not sort of the Master Chief Cortana yeah. storyline it kind yeah. of breaks off um and we find these sort of new New characters reemerging. Uh, this is actually sort of uh, up, up, sort of at current date in the in the Halo timeline. That's where Halo Wars Two takes place, and we kind of catch up with the Spirit of Fire. Um, so, what really helped uh, understanding the the story from the first Halo Wars, but also sort of where it fits in the Halo universe. Uh, but um, the cutscenes, I'd say, we there's these beautiful cutscenes. If you haven't played the game uh, from Blur, it's qu- quite a bit, almost thirty minutes worth and they really do a great job of um telling the story and uh i think you know when we were scoring those having that um even in, in in a lot of times it would just be some voiceover with some kind of like rough animatics and things like that but even that just really helped kind of get a sense of of who the characters were and 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 kind of their emotions and things like that i mean gordy can can speak to that even more i think
2: yeah i mean that we with the cinematic uh, material. I mean, like Brian was saying, I mean, there's so much of it. I mean, it's almost like having, you know, almost like a feature film <laughs> yeah. within a game. And uh, I mean, it's really just beautiful. Like and the, you know, the the you know how it appears, blurs, such you know, so great at creating this realism, and um, you know, and a lot of emotion within the characters. And so it was in a bit like scoring a film. You mm. know, I mean, working with the finite timeline of the cutscenes. Uh, you know, so we scored it to picture, um, which isn't always the case in a lot of games. And many times the cutscenes come in very late in the process. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times you're just cutting music that you've already written for end game material. Uh, yeah. But in this case, you know, it was actually scored to picture. And we recorded it. We actually had the, the, the cut scenes on the screen in the studio, right. just like we were scoring a film.
0: Fantastic. So it's
2: actually a cool experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sounds superb. And so, uh, yeah, Brian uh, and Brian, you were talking there about having uh, worked on the Halo franchise before, and I expect for many of us, myself included, um, your audio was one of the first things we probably heard when we booted up uh, our Xbox One back in 2013, because uh, your sound sounds accompany the the Xbox Halo channel.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we did the um, the music for the the Halo channel. Um and then even before that, uh, for the Master Chief Collection, for, for uh, we did uh, Halo 2 Anniversary. Yeah. And then e- even before that, um, I-, I had worked on uh, just the original Halo Anniversary. Um, so, yeah, kind of a long, a long history with, um, with, with Halo. But, yeah, the ha- the, it was cool to do the Halo channel just because it was something where it couldn't be, like, too repetitive mm. and, uh, you know, like, get, um, like, too... Like distracting, basically, yeah. because it's something they loop a bunch of times, and it's just supposed to be background. So, but it, you know, we wanted to have that the tension and moodiness and the feeling of sort of haloness, but without being obtrusive, I guess. So,
0: yeah. So it's yeah. A, it's a relatively. um See, simple well i say this as somebody who has no musical talent whatsoever it's a fairly simple sequence of chords but it's got that incredibly yes. um atmospheric sci-fi vibe how how what is by what witchcraft do you put that into <laughs> into music how do you make it sound like space and not a jazz bar you know
3: <laughs> <laughs> right
1: yeah no well i think uh you know i mean a lot of times simplicity is the way to go with things is and you know cuz that's i think what um one what makes things work and sound expansive and, and big in a way is, is to have space. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's, there is space between like each chord that's happening and it is a very simple sequence. Uh, But it's just like, it's, it's memorable and it it evokes a certain feeling and, and it, it sets a certain mood and that's sort of the purpose of it rather Mm -hmm. than to hit you over the head with like, you know uh particular emotion uh, you know because like that's it's more of like creating an environment than than telling a, a direct story you know so um yeah, yeah i guess that's that's the approach with it
0: all right well let's hear it here it is the welcome screen from the xbox halo channel So, Brian and Brian, known as Finishing Move Inc, working together from uh, the Xbox One console, I suppose, the Xbox Halo channel, um, and yeah, that's uh, it's quite nostalgic now hearing that again because I, I got to admit I haven't booted up the Halo channel for a while. I, I like some, I like me some Halo very much, but um, but the whole the channels thing is not something I engage with, so it's nice to hear that again. Um, listeners, we covered. We've covered all of the Halo games, but not Halo 5 or Halo Wars yet. Um, you can find those on the Kane and Rince podcast feed. Uh, that will be issues 17, 181, 185, 189, 193 and 197. Just go to CaneandRinse.com and search Halo and you'll find all of those podcasts or on iTunes. Now, this is a question for all three of you. Um, Now, I know, as we said, Halo Wars is a a sort of a guide in, a side story in the video game parlance. But you must be aware when working on Halo that obviously you're following some pretty astonishing and iconic uh, work that is beloved. The work of Martin O'Donnell and Michael Salvatore. And then more recently, you've got Neil Davidge and Kazuma Genucci. And also you've got Halo Wars 1 composer Stephen Rippey. So how much of that do you try to ignore all that or do you try to take sounds and cues in, in as an influence into this? Do you refer to it directly? How, how do you even begin to sort of um, process that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we we certainly took all of that music and, and you know, made an attempt to absorb it yeah. and uh, you know, make it sort of just understand the language that, uh, that, that music speaks in a way. And, uh, but, you know, with, with Halo Wars too, I mean, we, we made a conscious decision to sort of, you know, take our own direction as, but still pay homage to the, to that, uh, music at the yeah. same time. So, I mean, in, in, you know, one case we would use, uh, the spirit of fire theme that Stephen Rippey had written yeah. for Halo Wars and, uh, but rearrange it and sort of realize it in a different way. Uh, sort of bring it into our aesthetic, so to speak. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that was sort of the approach was to pay homage to the original, but take it somewhere new uh, and put our own sort of aesthetic musical stamp on it.
1: I mean, I think one of the things that's nice about the Halo franchise in general is it, it usually encompasses sort of a broad range of music from sort of purely orchestral to almost like like just strange ambient music to, to almost like rock type tunes, you you know, we wanted to, uh, keep that sort of diversity of sounds to it, but not necessarily follow in the footsteps of, of Marty and and Michael, like just take, you know, to, to like keep that, that broadness, but take a step away from, from what they're doing. Um, and, and also because the Halo Wars is sort of, it's a different, it's a different thing than, than, than just, you know, like, uh, the the uh, the main Halo uh, franchise, so
0: hmm. yeah. Am I right in thinking? I can't remember for sure, but for Halo Two anniversary, did you get Steve Vai back in the studio?
1: Yes, we did. Yes, yeah. we did.
0: I thought so. <laughs>
1: so yeah, that was fun.
0: That must have been fun. Yeah. Um, so what was the on on Halo Two? What, was it um, obviously you know it's a kind of it's a remaster, but you were doing more than that as well. There was actual so you were actually re-recording whole entire
1: suites yeah we basically re uh, re-recorded the entire thing um and and uh yeah like recorded the orchestra brought in steve vai again and then you know re and and you know brian white and i really focused on redoing all of the electronics all of the ambient textural music
3: yeah. So yeah, it was guitar uh, and bass. Yeah, yeah. We did bass re- re- stuff. There was like uh, anything that wasn't Steve Vai's guitar shredding. We we redid. The, I mean, we really we ha- we programmed, rearranged, re-recorded every minute of music in that game. Wow. um Just to kind of refresh it. So we, you know, just when you're talking about sort of understanding kind of the the Halo sound especially from sort of the early iconic games you know 1 and 2 like we sort of really did a deep dive on that music because a lot of times uh, there wasn't there wasn't actually any score or material multi-track material for us to uh, go off of we actually had to just digest the music uh from the soundtrack from the game assets as just stereo assets so uh, it really kind of honed our uh our listening and, and transcribing skills, but also just our sort of our our synth and programming skills, because I, I mean, he was, you know, Marty at the time and, and Michael Salvatore, they were using a lot of hardware um, instruments, you know, a hardware yeah. synths. And we had to kind of, we you know, we didn't exactly know. So we kind of had to, you know, uh, deep dive and, and kind of try to uh, interpret those uh, for sort of the anniversary um, to kind of freshen, freshen that up, and and I think it turned out really well. I mean, we we stayed true to the original score, and, and the fans really liked the remaster.
0: Yeah, yeah. Speaking as a Halo player of fifteen years, and somebody who likes music in games or the sounding games enough to set up a podcast that covers exactly that, uh, yeah, I think that the music, music to the Halo franchise is incredibly important. And I think um, on uh, even in sort of sections where you feel uh, of games in the franchise where you feel like they didn't quite you know pull it off it's always a real disappointment because of thinking back to those famous moments even going all the way back to the original combat evolved when the the uh, original theme would kick in and it was just you know spine tingling stuff i guess you're all players of of the of the games to some extent
2: yeah definitely Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely
0: good to know now I'm really interested in uh, in this pick from Gordy because uh, as as we always do when we have guest composers on, it's always a real treat to all, as well as hearing their music. It's also lovely to hear the music that uh, inspires them, and uh, this is a, a, a pick from a game we've never featured before. Um, it's from Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb, the 2003 game, uh, which was PC, Xbox, and PS2. I don't think it was that widely played. Um, I think the Critical reception was was okay, moderate to okay. But uh, but here we've got um, uh, an example, that something that many people have had to do, to try to do, uh, including Gordon, and we'll talk about it later, which is to step into the, the shoes of John Williams. So on this game, it was Clint uh, Bajakian, I think is the pronunciation. Um, and he was able to record some of the music with the Seattle Symphony Orchestra, including this piece, I believe. So... Um, Gordy, what made you bring this particular piece to the Sound of Play podcast?
2: Well, I chose this piece, and and more specifically the, the actual full score than just this piece, but I happen to like this example a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I chose this because, for me, it was extremely influential because around the time that this game came out, I had just moved to Los Angeles and was pursuing pretty much primarily a, a career in scoring film. and um, And I did that because my musical style was writing for the orchestra and th- the only outlet I saw was composing for film. Yeah. And, um, but then I heard this score and I was, it just, it shocked me a how good it was, but also the fact that it was a hmm. uh, full orchestra recording. And, uh, it just surprised me that that video games had stepped up, um, the, the level of music and production yeah. so much. And, and, and it piqued my interest in writing music for games. So, uh, that was sort of the, the first moment I realized, ah, you know, composing for games can be sort of an outlet for me to choose. And, uh, and sort of started my, you know, journey into that world.
0: And so amazingly enough, five years later, or probably earlier in terms of when you started
2: working on it,
0: uh, you actually got to compose the music for the next uh, kind of Indiana Jones game, the Star for Kings.
2: Yep, exactly. And uh, that was my first video game score actually right and uh and that came about because i uh when i moved out here i moved out here to go to usc for a film scoring program and while i was there i met another composer who i became very good friends with jesse harlan and jesse was uh, fast forward a few years later working as an audio director and music director at lucas arts and i had heard this score that clint bajakin had written and was really impressed and like i was saying it sort of Piqued my interest in video game music, and so I called Jesse and started discussing. Hey, you know, I'm kind of interested in getting into this world. You know how how does that happen? Who who should I talk to? Who should I meet? Mm -hmm. And he said, Well, actually, we have this Indiana Jones game that we're doing now called Staff of Kings, and if you're interested in demoing, we'll take your demo. So I did just that. I wrote a demo and uh, ended up getting the gig, and that sort of you know kick started my career in composing for games. Fantastic
0: story. All right. Well, let's hear it Rise of the Black Emperor. that's from indiana jones and the emperor's tomb as selected by gordy the comp- uh, composer for indiana jones and the staff of kings um two games that who knows we may cover one day on the main Kane and rinse podcast uh, are they even on the giant list i'm not sure but uh, yeah there's a lot of indie indie games to get through going all the way back to the atari vcs that would be something uh now we have another uh a, a composer Chosen by Brian and Brian, who uh, who has also worked on films, perhaps more famously worked on movies than on games, in fact. But as soon as uh, Gustavo Santolaya came to the world of video games, uh, we got uh, a truly astonishing score. And uh, Brian and Brian, you've picked uh, the amazing uh, main theme from The Last of Us.
1: Yeah, I mean, Gustavo, I think. Uh, pretty much all of his work, we, we both really love, um, and it's just he brings uh, both like the the uh, really melodramatic emotion to things, but then he also has a really nice blend of sounds and textures, and also just the the guitars, and he brings the um, you know South American instruments as well uh, to the table, and I, mm-hmm. I just think he, he uh, with this piece, there's a, a really good sense of like again, like simplicity in terms of its, its chords and melody, but it really pulls in terms of the emotions. Um, yeah, it's really beautiful piece.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we covered The Last of Us, one of my favorite games of 2013 and 2014. I think that was when the, the remaster came out. It's still installed on my PS4. Uh, back in Kane and Rint's podcast, issue 144, which I'm sure opens with this very piece of music, The Last of Us, main theme. Santolaya there. Now, we've been, uh, we talked already with Gordy a little about uh, stepping into the shoes of John Williams. This is something that uh, you've made a bit of a habit of now, um, which I can't imagine <laughs> is the easiest uh, thing to do. Now, I, I'm sure you justifiably have confidence in your work, but uh, John Williams basically for the last 40, 50 years has been knocking off these astonishing Actually, it's probably more than 50 years, isn't it? Because some of his early stuff was in was in the yeah, c- yeah, exactly. 50s and 60s. But, yeah, so he's he's just, he's just written probably 10, 12, 15 of the most iconic and recognisable themes of all time, um, and not only the main themes, to obviously to things like Superman and E.T. and Star Wars, but also uh, some very, very well-known pieces of incidental music. Um, so... You've, you've already done some Indiana Jones uh, at this point, and you've done um, uh, Star Wars on, uh, for the Kinect and the Old Republic, and then you got the gig to do Star Wars Battlefront with DICE. That must have been pretty exciting. Yeah,
2: oh, it, it was exciting, and uh, it's, it's such a huge project. And, you know, I mean, like you said, I mean, stepping into John Williams' shoes in, in a way um, is it's a daunting task, <laughs> to yeah. say yeah. the least, that, uh, you know, but it's music that i love and i know really well and you know it john williams music it's it's probably the strongest influence in you know my musical upbringing uh, you know having heard you know growing up in the in the 80s and you know going to see all of these you know the star wars and et and indiana jones and these iconic films which all have these great iconic scores that john had written Um, so that was my earliest influence so to speak, musically. And uh, so stepping into those shoes, of course, was daunting. But, but from a musical standpoint, it was already sort of, sort of part of my DNA musically, I think. And um, so from that angle, you know, it just felt comfortable and it felt right. You know, I never feel that I'm trying to imitate. I'm just writing what comes naturally and what comes naturally sounds like that because it was such a strong influence for me. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a cool thing to get to do that too because you know i'm really paying homage to to a hero of mine in a way
0: yeah, of course. But uh, as somebody, I've been playing you know Star Wars-related video games since they started, really, uh, in, in the arcades and, and on the VCS in the early days. And obviously back then they tended to be fairly uh, rudimentary recreations of John Williams' music. But ever since uh, probably the, the 80s and 90s, um, various, many different composers have, have come on board for video games and uh, thinking right. about the uh, Bioware, Knights of the Old Republic, and um, the Roman leader games yeah. on the n64 and things like that and have attempted to sort of um create music which would fit in to to the star wars canon and i think you know with varying levels right. of success but while i haven't played star wars battlefront right. myself having heard this it sounds like you've really nailed the john williams feel there there's lots of little sort of just just little motifs and nods which which feel like Star Wars to me, just listening to this even outside of playing the game.
2: That's great. Yeah, I mean, that certainly was the hope. And, uh, you know, my hope as well as as DICE and EA's hope was that I, you know, the way they described it to me is we're hoping for the original soundtrack that John Williams wrote, the B-side. And uh, so, you know, literally they wanted to, you know, hear it as though it was music that John had written that had been lost in the shuffle. So, I mean, I really did have to study those original scores quite a bit to sort of get that, you know, that musical style correct and, you know, the orchestrational style, et cetera. And, you know, I just I just I learned it, I studied it and then I just forgot everything and and just wrote whatever. And, you know, I think, like I would said before, just having having had that be such a, a large influence musically for me and I just sort of came naturally, I think.
0: Yeah, so I grew up listening to. I had my uh, vinyl double album of the Empire Strikes Back OST that I played to death, and uh, yeah, so I, I come from that sort of place. Um, <laughs> yeah, is this done? Is, was this all done without? Um, is this no orchestra? Is this all synthesizers, or is it?
2: Is there? Is there? Oh, any oh no! It's, inter- oh no! It's it's completely full orchestra. Okay. I, yeah, I, I think feel that's like, the other yeah. you know, amazing and exciting thing about that project. actually, all of these hundred players, and Abbey Road Studios, etc. Oh, wow. Amazing. So I wanted
0: to, I was wondering, you know, uh, I was thinking about Michael uh, Giacchino. Giacchino, I've never been sure. Um, And how obviously uh, he was uh, known for writing uh, music for things like Call of Duty 4. Uh, And then recently uh, he got to do the soundtrack for a little movie called Rogue One. Uh, and I'm wondering if that's uh, if that's an ambition of yours, because there are going to be lots of Star Wars uh, Marvel spin-off movies over the next years. We're you know, we looking with the Han Solo one. I don't know if that's already been – the composer's been named, but we've got possibly – there's rumors of an Obi-Wan movie and stuff like that. Do you think this could be your calling card on your CV as a Star Wars movie I, guy?
2: Well, you know, I would certainly hope so. And if, and if they were to come to me and ask if I wanted to score one of these films, I would – I would not say no (laughs) put it that way
0: (laughs) let's we put that out there right now all right let's hear Hoth Alliance into battle Star Wars Battlefront as you'll know if you've played it no doubt uh, on one of its many formats it's available uh, widely and and fairly inexpensively now I imagine some people will still be jumping on especially as uh, as the hype to episode 8 builds up something very different though from uh, Brian and Brian Uh, this is uh, much more away from the world of movies and uh, the the pure video game world of Double Fine and uh love it as we do. This is a piece that you guys made for Massive Chalice. So uh how did your collaboration with Double Fine come to be?
3: Yeah, so we um we had worked on a project of theirs. Uh it was a a mobile game called Drop Cord, ah. um that they they brought us in to do a few tracks on. It's kind of a rhythm cool rhythm game and 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 oddly the music that we did for that was um completely different than than massive chalice it was kind of it was just straight up like dance dance music tracks because it was kind of this cool arcade style rhythm game and uh that, that featured a, a few different composers we did i think four or five tracks for it and so when they um announced massive chalice of i don't you know if you know the whole there was a lot of the kickstarter was a a big dramatic thing and and uh and mm-hmm. uh, they were looking for composers, and uh, we knew some people over there. And they said, "Hey, do you want to pitch on this?" And and when we saw the uh, description, we we're like, uh, "Yeah, we probably like aren't right if you're looking for some Lord of the Rings style soundtrack." And and they said, <laughs> no, "No, no, no, that is absolutely not what we want for this. So you guys should pitch on it." And so we we did a pitch for it, kind of kind of like a long shot, like okay, you know, like we'll. we'll Shoot some stuff over, and they loved it because it was totally different and not sort of what you would expect for kind not of a, a fantasy, fantasy game. game. Yeah, hmm. and um, and yeah, we just and then and 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 then we dove into it um, uh, and, and and did a bit of music. They, you know, as an indie game, it's not like it's got the budgets of AAA, where you know, oftentimes we're doing multiple hours of music. Like the Halo game, I think we did like 150 minutes of music for Halo Wars 2. Uh, Massive Chalice, I think we did about 25 30 minutes yeah. uh, of music for that. But it was really fun because we kind of it was it was kind of like you know the audio director at the time, Brian Min, and uh, the producer, the lead on that, Brad Muir, were kind of just like do cool stuff, and and they they really gave us a lot of freedom. And they didn't push back a lot on sort of we, they really kind of let us find a voice for the game. And uh, we're really proud of, of how that soundtrack turned out. Do Cool Stuff sounds like the, the best
0: kind of brief to me.
3: It, it, it really is. <laughs>
0: Uh, listeners, you may, if, if like me, you obsessively add every, uh, free game that Microsoft and Sony, uh, throw your way, you may have massive chalice. If you, if you didn't buy it, you may have it in your games with gold backlog as a, as a game available to download on your Xbox one. Uh, you may be a fan of the game. Um, but if you haven't played it and you'd like to hear more of the music like this one we're about to hear, um, check your, yeah, check your, your Xbox one account. You might have it. Uh, But yes, this is the main title, also known as Time Worn. is from the 2015 game massive chalice an interesting game that i have dabbled with but uh but not got too far in i shall return to it when we cover it on the podcast someday and uh have lots of little kids in it which i think is one of the main things to do is to uh is to procreate and create your legacy uh yes. yeah yeah it's sort of real time. Um, no, not real time. It's turn-based strategy, as I recall sure, from, yeah, from sure. my brief yep. time with it. Yeah, um, slightly XCom-ish, but uh, but with a with a very double fine kind of um, uniqueness, a twist to it.
3: XCom with babies. XCom with babies. XCom with babies. <laughs> uh,
0: that is the <laughs> yep. the elevator pitch right there. Now uh, we can't. We, we occasionally get through a whole Sound of Play podcast without featuring something by Nobuo Uematsu or from Final Fantasy, but it doesn't often happen and no one complains. Why? Because, well, yeah, why not? It is, of course, uh, the legendary Final Fantasy music and uh, Gordy has picked a piece as performed by the London Philharmonic Orchestra. So what's your relationship with, with Final Fantasy's uh, justifiably famous music, Gordy?
2: Well, I grew up playing it, and yeah. uh, you know, before I knew anything about music, really. I mean, I hadn't started studying music yet, but it, but it had an emotional impact on me, and and I, and I chose to feature uh, you know a, a orchestral recording of this because to sort of make a point, which is that good music. I mean, if it's good and it has emotion, it can it can be played or recorded with basically anything and that emotional quality still stands. So in the original game, it was not, you know, this full orchestral score like this, but you know, it still had this emotional impact. And it, this is just proof of how well, if it's good, if it's quality, how well it can translate to basically anything. And here it is translated to a palette that is more in line with what, you know, my interests are, you know, the orchestral palette and, and it works equally well has the same level of emotion of emotion and and sort of a heart to it that I really love from the original
0: so as obviously you guys are now working with orchestras sometimes and if you're not working with orchestras you're working with very high end uh, software and and packages and and, uh, and things I don't understand to make these incredibly uh, rich and opulent <laughs> Uh, sounding soundtracks but can you still uh, enjoy do you do you play you know game 8bit games from the '80s and do you, can you still enjoy the sort of the chip sound and, and that sort of thing
2: yeah I do and I think I, I do enjoy it you know from a nostalgic standpoint you know I mean it just brings me back to childhood and you know if I wish I had more time to play games you know the, the schedules on writing the music for these games sometimes are so intense that okay, you know yeah. free time is is a luxury if, if they don't and um you know but yeah when i do revisit those old games i mean i still feel the same you know emotion and and nostalgia that i did you know as a child
0: Mm. let me ask each of you if there was one i'm putting you on the spot but if there was one classic eight or 16-bit soundtrack that you would love to orchestrate and bring forward in in a say a remaster a remake of a a classic eight or 16-bit game is there one soundtrack that you would love to get your hands on in that way
1: Oh man, I I'd say Metroid uh yeah. or or just and I I I'm, I guess I'm cheating here cuz I'm saying two, but That's final right. fight, the arcade game, the Capcom arcade yes. game final fight. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, to like do that music. That would be awesome.
0: Yeah. In fact, we had uh, when we did our Final Fight podcast on 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 the other show some time ago. We talked. uh, We had one of the developers on, and we talked about the work that uh, that the guy did. Name escapes me. um, Scandinavian guy who actually got to do the kind of modern update of the Final Fight music. So it wasn't orchestrated. It was more um, synths and guitars. But it was a very. He he did a fine job. Um, Yeah. Any others on that on that score? If you'll pardon the pun.
2: Yeah. I mean. Oh, and that's well for me it would be this Final Fantasy theme. I mean, i it it's stuck with me for so long that, you know, I do have ideas of how I would orchestrate that and, and sort of rearrange it, you know. Uh so that would be kind of a fun little project for me to do. And I've actually thought about doing it just for fun anyway. So I really do love that theme.
0: It could happen. Well if you ever do it, send it our way. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I think Gordy took mine. That would be this Final Fantasy theme. But so I would, I would just go further into the the, the Square catalog and say like Chrono Trigger. Oh you yeah, know, something like I'm sh, I'm sure it's been done, orchestrated and done. Yeah. But, you know, definitely another one of those iconic scores that you can, you know, when you're 30, 40 hours deep into gameplay, you're still, you know, you're not annoyed by it.
0: Yeah, yeah, amazing music. Well, let's hear some. This is uh, From Final Fantasy by Umatsu San and performed by the London Philharmonic Orchestra. As always, uh, yes, and we are tackling at least the first couple of games in the Final Fantasy series in Kana rinse later this year, towards the end of the year, November, December time. We're going to cover Final Fantasies One and Two, which uh, I'm a little scared about, to be honest. But uh, but you know, I've got to get them off my bucket list. So this is the way this is the way we do it. Uh, and there's also we mentioned Chrono Trigger. There uh, we have a Chrono Trigger podcast in our back catalogue which uh, listeners can check out just go to com and search for the name of the game and that's how you can find most of our 260 uh, odd podcasts including the next one we did very early on almost uh, well around about five years ago now we covered limbo and uh, brian and brian you've brought this for me is where music is amazing because i find this piece of music both Really terrifying and quite depressing, and yet I love it. Uh, so, uh, Gravity Jump by Martin Stig Anderson, why did you pick this one?
3: Yeah, I, I think that the, the reason I mean, and I love uh, both of his scores, both for inside and limbo. Yeah, um, unfortunately, there's no OST yet for, for inside, but so this is no. an example of where I mean, he, he does this beautifully kind of ambient drone score, but there's also uh these rhythmic elements as drums that that actually Mm. that that are a key component in you playing the game so player feedback if you're in this sort of gravity jump um sort of moment where where the gravity keeps switching back and forth and and the timing of that is is you can you know based on those drum hits and so you really do have to pay attention and it, when it happens it's it, you know if you played limbo you realize that there's big sections where there's no music and then when the music comes in it's like oh my god this is so like you just have these emotional moments and it really kind of perfectly scores the mood of yeah. of that game and i think this is a, a a really great i think this is one of the last tracks in in the game in terms yes. of gameplay and uh, I think it really just kind of ties a bow around the whole experience of, of both music as player feedback, as well as emotional feedback, and uh, just kind of like perfect game score.
1: And, and, and I would add that, you know, that with uh, what Martin Stig Anderson is really great at too is just having the music and sound design. It's all kind of one thing, it blends together, mm-hmm. and it's hard to tell where music ends and where sound design begins. It's just perfectly integrated.
0: So that is the deeply unsettling, but I hope you enjoyed it nonetheless, Gravity Jump from Limbo, of course, which is available on virtually everything these days. Uh, you probably own a copy. Uh, if you haven't played it for a while, you should check that out. It's quite a game. Another uh, independent title uh, is Firewatch. Now, this is something I think we have featured maybe one or two tracks on Sound of Play before, um, Chris Remo, of course, probably the main creative force behind the the whole game, along with some other very talented writers who you may know if you listen to the Idle Thumbs podcast. Uh, so this is uh, this is another pick for Brian and Brian. Um, this is the pr- uh, prologue piece from Firewatch. So uh, what made you bring this one to Sound of Play?
3: Yeah. So um, if, if if you've ever played. Firewatch, this is the first uh, cue that you hear in the game for the prologue, and, and um, I think this piece is a really great example about how music and, and well-placed music can, can really make something feel m- more expensive and, motion- and emotional than, than it actually is because this, mm-hmm. this intro is really, you're just clicking through kind of, it's like a choose-your-own-text story, and without the music, you'd kind of be like, Ah, what's going on? Where's the cool cinematic? Where's all the crazy graphics? It's really just you're reading a text narrative and you're choosing one answer or the other. But this score kind of it it opens up your emotion and 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 the story itself, and it goes from happy to sad. It ebbs and flows depending on 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 sort of how you uh, answer the questions. but it all kind of it all ties back into the start of the game. But this is a perfect example of where music is just sort of opening you up to emotion and feeling and and not telling you to feel sort of one way or the other, but just kind of uh, creating this vibe. And I think it uh, at least when 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 I played the game, I really loved the prologue. I wasn't like, oh, this is this is boring. Where's the triple A? you know, a hundred million dollar cinematics, I was like, oh, this is really unique, really cool. Like I, this feels really good. And, and throughout the game, you know, when the music comes in and it's, it's, it's really well placed. And it, and again, it kind of creates this sense of, you know, not telling you exactly what to feel, but that, oh, I'm, I'm opening up to feeling something, whatever it is that might be inside of me at the time. And, you know, when I'm playing the game.
0: Yeah, lovely stuff. I was lucky enough to interview—well, not, not interview. Actually, I just did a podcast with Chris Remo. Gone. It's quite a few years ago now, and uh, he was a very nice guy. Uh, he was very young as well at the, <laughs> the time. He was like—I I had no idea how how young he was. I think he was like 23 when I when I did a podcast with him. He's uh, he's one of those annoyingly uh, multi-talented wow. cool. people. Yeah. Yeah. That was some time ago. I'm curious, uh, Gordy, like most of your, your CV involves, uh, big licenses, Star Wars, a lot of Star Wars, uh, some, obviously we heard some, some Indiana Jones, The Walking Dead as well on the, uh, the less well received, but, uh, for certainly all, in terms of audio, there were no problems at all with uh, Survival yeah. Instinct, but, um, uh, the uh do you do you have ambitions to take your particular skill set to say a, a smaller more you know um personal emotional independently developed game or anything like that
2: yeah i certainly do i mean you know, I, you know it's, it's it's the age old tale uh you know working in entertainment industry of getting sort of pigeonholed i guess
3: you know you do yeah. one
2: score this large orchestral and then that's what people know you for sure. and uh you know that that of course you know, it's it's not a problem in my opinion because you know no. I, I love doing that, and you know usually that means that the titles I'm working on are pretty large scale and you know have orchestra budgets and that kind of thing, which is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would love to do something that was uh, you know a bit more intimate, um, you know, more personal, smaller story, that kind of thing. Um, and I haven't had that that opportunity yet. Um, actually, other than I just I actually just completed a score for. Uh, a game created by uh, NetEase, a Chinese company, and it was called mm. Land of Glory. And it's a mobile game. I don't even think it's going to be um, in the States. I think it's just a Chinese-language game. But it was actually mm. really cool to work on something that was you know, a bit more intimate. Mm, yeah, cool.
0: All right, let's hear Chris Remo's Firewatch prologue. Chris Remo, there, the annoyingly talented and young uh, Chris Remo, with Firewatch <laughs> Prologue. Uh, Firewatch—it it goes without saying—is on Kane and Rince's long, long list of games that we would uh, love to cover someday on the other podcast. But we can only do fifty shows a year. Uh, we're working, you know, on that list. Remember, listeners, please venture over to our forum at slash forum or follow us on Twitter at Kane and Rince. You can use the hashtag Sounder Play. Uh, you can even message us on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cana Rince, if you want a request your favorite tracks or other curios and oddities. And we'll continue to include a selection in each regular Sounder Play podcast, but not when we have composers on. They get to do the whole thing because they're special. Uh, please subscribe to Sounder Play. Leave us an iTunes review or rating if you haven't already. It's really helpful also incredibly helpful and gratefully received we have a patreon patreon.com slash canem rinse you can donate whatever you think a dollar a month or more if you think all these podcasts are worth it it uh, all gets plowed back into making the shows so before we hear about uh, the final track which comes from all three of our guests um i'd like to thank Gordy, brian and brian for joining me and uh explaining how it all works and how it all happens and, uh, and sharing their, their love of other music composers as well. Um, so other than halo wars two, which is out now, and which is what in inspired this get together, uh, do you have other things or, or websites, Twitter feeds, whatever you want to uh, plug, feel free. The floor is yours.
1: So I guess for, to follow uh, anything that, you know, finishing move related there, we're, we're on, Facebook, uh, and, um, you know, uh, and on, on Twitter as well. Um, and, uh, let's see, I guess the, the only other thing that we would, would plug is if, if you, if people listening out there are a composer themselves, uh, we just released a software instrument for, uh, that's called Posthuman. um, that's for creating sort of cinematic textures and things like that. It's pretty cool. So, if, uh, yeah, I think like composer folks might be interested in, in checking that out.
3: You can hear a lot of the sounds on Halo Wars 2. We we actually built the instrument while we were uh, working on the game as sort of an internal exercise, and then it was so cool, we decided to release it commercially. So if you're a composer, definitely check that out.
0: That's really cool. We do have uh, composers who listen. We know because sometimes they ask if they can come on. We also have a friend of the show, a guy called Ruben Cornell, who's a composer for uh, TV and things like that, who's also, uh, as, as a sideline, he does a pod... Well, not a sideline. It's quite a main thing for him now, but he, he has a podcast in which he reviews uh, string packages and, and, and all that sort of stuff, the stuff I clearly don't understand. Um, so there might be some uh, there might be some cross pollination available there. Uh, so yeah, ho- cool. uh, hopefully you can check each other out on Twitter and that kind of thing. Uh, Gordy, anything big in the pipeline? Yeah, or- yeah.
2: I mean, you can find me on Facebook or uh, Twitter, and, and it's, it's at Gordy Hab H A A B. is the last name. Uh, that's my handle on Twitter. Uh, you know, I have a SoundCloud page, same name, and and, and also a website, Gordyhab dot com. Uh, which is very out of date, but I'm working on remedying that as soon as I uh, get a free minute,
0: <laughs> which yeah, doesn't right. seem
2: to happen too often. So, no. But plenty of music uh, there to hear as well, and, and cool. as well on SoundCloud. So.
0: Oh, fantastic. And have any of you got any uh, announced projects that you're allowed to actually mention, like soundtracks that you're doing that you've got <laughs> coming up, or is it all secret? I think,
2: it's I think all, mine are all secret.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: think we're in the same boat on
3: that
0: okay it's always worth oh, you
3: asking can, oh i would say you yeah, can check out so a project that we all three uh recently worked on um that has been released is the uh cosmo oh, yeah. robot from onki so not yeah. quite a game not quite oh. a, a toy it's a, it sort of lives in the middle but uh, we we all worked on the music together uh for that project uh a little artificial intelligent really cool actually robot yeah all right yeah
0: the new ibo type of thing is it well, only much
3: better
2: <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's it's really pretty fascinating. I mean, it, it learns you, your name, your face, and it recognizes faces and oh, you know, right. it, it develops it's, its own personality and it, it's pretty fascinating. I I have to say. It's it's pretty cool. Is this
0: one some papers are saying should be banned because you can hack it and then and then brainwash children?
3: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Possibly.
0: <laughs> no, it's definitely not that. We we'll, we will say it's not that. Just uh, just buy not it and that. enjoy enjoy the sounds. All yeah. <laughs> right all right so to play us out uh, we're going to hear another piece from the halo wars 2 soundtrack this is going to be called run little demons and uh, so what's the story behind this particular piece
1: it's like an action action piece that you know i think is a good example of sort of all three of us together it's got the like heavy percussion and synths and then sweeping orchestra um yeah i, I don't know if you guys have anything else to add to that
3: this is like a brute kind of sound yeah. so that in terms of like characters and stuff like yeah. that i think this is kind of like a, a very focused on on the brutes and and kind of their nature and i think this brutes kind of really brutes. captures that that brutal visceral kind of uh, personality uh, of their crew
0: all right sounds good let's leave our listeners with that then and uh, to close sound to play 85 it's run little demons by our guests Gordy Hab, brian lee white and brian trifon